Hello and welcome to the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. Um, coming to you tonight, I suppose we're all, I don't know, reeling, angry, in a bit of shock. Um, it's Tuesday night, it's the 24th of October, and today's been quite a busy day in the life of QPR because the um, financial fair play announcement uh, dropped, as they say, um, this afternoon about uh, four, uh, two, two o'clock and so we've got a hell of a lot to talk about on that. We have an interview coming up. We have Lee Hughes, the CEO of QPR, is talking to us um, a little bit later in a few minutes but before that we'll go around the table and, and do all the bits that we need to do. So um, first of all, uh, for those of you who, sorry I'm trying to catch myself, for those of you who haven't listened to us before you can follow us on Twitter at QPR Pod and you can uh, follow us on Facebook if you search for um, the new QPR podcast. You can listen to all our old episodes at qprpod.co.uk. Um, with me, none of the, the, the regular voices, although maybe a couple of semi-regulars, uh, um, have Rob Brennan here. Good evening. Former journalist Former on journalist. the QPR beat. Come on, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I saw the future. It wasn't looking good. <laughs> there was no money left in it. I got out. But still a very a very keen uh, QPR. Oh, absolutely. Watcher. Absolutely. But Watching from afar is a little bit more enjoyable. But now, apart from today. Apart from today. And Clive. Clive Whittingham, Lothwards. Hello. First appearance of the season. Means some bad shit's gone down, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I should probably let you start. I mean, do we, do we even want to talk about Bolton? Uh, Not really. No. We're, we're, no. Maybe maybe we'll catch up on Bolton later in the show if if we even get that far. Uh, so, if you haven't been paying attention, um, there was a ruling this afternoon um, on the financial fair play claim, or there was an announcement of the ruling, and the headlines are that QPR's. Um, uh, appeal or, or, or mitigation, whatever you want to call it, has been dismissed. And, and long story short, they've been found guilty, if that's the word. I don't know if that's the word. Uh, guilty of financial fair play or breaching the um, regulations on it. Um, nobody really knows how high the fi- the fine is, uh, but it's anticipated, as the BBC says, to be as much as £58 million, although we think it's a little bit less than that. Um, and it's not good. Basically, this was in relation to um, losses on, on the 2013-14 season, um, which was what season was that, Clive? The next season, uh, the two. It was the 2013-14 season, which is the Bobby Zamora playoff uh, playoff final, which obviously had a very happy ending. But uh, they spent about 100 million pounds getting there. Mm. Um, so we're in financial trouble, and Harry Redknapp was our manager. Well. Well, yeah, no, no coincidence. Uh, Remarkable. <laughs> so we're going to talk to Lee Hughes and oh, ask him Harry. some Harry. questions. What do you? Let me get your guys' reaction to this um, before we before we speak to Lee Clive. You're, um, you are undoubtedly going to have a lot to say on the matter. <laughs> Give us a small highlight of what we can expect in the rest. Well, of the just show. Go, just the. For now, it doesn't actually change a lot of things because they'll lodge an appeal probably by the end of November and it will drag on through the courts for another two years. So the club will pretty much be in the same position for the next two years as it has been for the last two and a half, which is 
trying to comply with the current financial fair play regulations, business as usual, you know, just progressing as we are, as Lee Hughes has been trying to do. So it doesn't actually change that much. A um, bit of stability is bringing then, yeah? Yeah, no, he's, he's fantastic. And if he'd been here at the time, you know, maybe all of this wouldn't have happened. Um, but short term and maybe medium term, it doesn't actually change very much. It'll be business as usual, but it's obviously not good news. Um, they're confident on the appeal, I think, and think that's what he'll say because there are rules in this country about proportionality of fine. Like you can fine HSBC £1.4 billion because they can afford it. You can't find the local spa shop the same amount for the same offence because it would put the business under. Mm. And clearly, £58 million is not a proportionate fine for a business on QPR's turnover. So they've got a, they've got a reasonably strong case on the appeal. So it's not doomsday just yet. But at the end of the day, it was a flagrant breach. They deliberately breached it. They ignored the laws to get back to the Premier League. You know, Tony Fernandez and Harry Redknapp had their trolley dash. They spent £100 million that season. What was We're the wage con- bill that season? The wage bill that season was £77.3 million on a turnover of £38.6 million. I mean, no, like I say, a flagrant beach. QPR used 39 players that season. Look at, if you look at some of the, the really telling thing about the playoff final, which is, you know, that was the culmination of it and it was the best day of a lot of our lives and whatever. But the, the thing about that was QPR went into that game with a wage bill of 77.3 million against Derby, whose wage bill was 13 million for the season mm. and should have lost. <laughs> And look at the players who weren't even on the bench that day, but were still employed by the club and still drawing salary. People like Andy Johnson, Yossi Benayoun, uh, Asu Okoto, Tom Carroll. You know, there's hundreds of... Ravel Morrison. There were scores of them. It was like an enormous squad. It was a flagrant breach. And they will eventually have to take some medicine for it, but probably not enough medicine to kill us. I mean, that's, that's just counterproductive. But when you've thrown so much money away anyway, what is 58 million... You know, just... Tony's got it, hasn't he? Cover it and again. And should, bad, and should it? pay it. Yeah, but he'll the, learn a big lesson from this, won't he? He does like doing that. <laughs> I suspect they've learnt the lesson already. It's a difficult one, isn't it? And, and we do have to get to the interview with Lee because I, I think I feel like you guys do. It was a flagrant breach, as you keep saying. We are bang to rights. We were doing things that we shouldn't have been doing. And yes, there's the right systems in place now. Mm. But it, we weren't robbed, if you see what I mean, as in in the, in the football sense. We, we wasn't robbed. We're not kind of being mugged off by this. They did things they shouldn't have done. It should be said, though, that the rules are obviously unworkable. It's not workable to find a member club £58 million because you're risking bank- bankrupting one of your member clubs. Mm-hmm. And they know that because they subsequently, on the back of this, changed the rules. So a lot of people are talking about Leicester, Bournemouth, other clubs that have since sort of done the same thing, gambled on promotion and been punished, but to a much lesser degree. And that's because the rules, the rules that we're now trying to comply with under Hughes and Holloway and Ferdinand mm. are very different now. But we breached the old rules. The rules at the time. And that's what we're being judged under. Right. Okay, let's, um, let's talk to the guy, one of the guys at the centre of this. So uh, on the end of the line, we've got uh, the CEO of QPR, Lee Hughes, who we should mention wasn't um, employed by the club at the time of this breach, although to kind of give all, all the sides of the story, the current owners were the owners at the time of the breach. And are at fault. And are, and are at fault. Um, and we've got quite a lot of questions for him, so let's get on with it. 
Lee, thank you very much for uh, joining us. We've had, since we announced on Twitter that we were interviewing you only about an hour before we started recording, we've had a hell of a lot of questions. There's one question that's come up two or three times, actually, from Lewis Henderson and Ben Platt, and and I'm going to kick off with that one, which is, what is the worst-case scenario from this ruling? Well, the worst-case scenario is we'd be liable for the, the full amount of the fine. Um, that, that is the absolute worst case scenario that, that we're, we're dealing with. Um, what we're dealing, first of all, we, we have to take this in, uh, in steps. And the first step is um, disappointing the decision, and we're obviously going to be appealing that, that, that decision. Um, there's not really a lot I can go into in terms of the, um, the FFP ruling itself, um, because just, well, two reasons. One, we're governed by a procedural agreement with the Football League, um, which pro- prohibits that. And the second one, even if we weren't governed by that agreement, it would be madness to talk about a matter that's still subject to litigation. And look, I, 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 I respect that, and fans will respect the fact that there's a lot that you can't say due to the legal process. But reading between the lines of the statements that are put out today and the confirmation that you are appealing, I take that to mean that the club doesn't think that um, this ruling is fair and proportionate. Well, like, well, the one thing I won't do is um, is try and um, and litigate this in in the press about you know what our opinions are because that's the surest way I know to um, to irritate a, a prospective panel that, that might be convened. Um, so, well, that will be convened, and we we again, I just I just can't go there. I, I can just say I, I appreciate the frustration of, of, of the uncertain because worse than, than, than knowing for sure is actually the uncertainty that hangs over people. Um, and I, and as much as I sympathize with that, I, I still need to do the best I can for the club and the best I can for the club means I really can't go into it in, in, in great detail. You know, what I, what I can say is for us, we have started down a, a course. We, we've started down a road, um, that I'm extremely pleased that we started down that we're making great inroads on as well. Um, it's, it's about a self-sustainable football club. Um, we're going to continue on down that road because our goals have always been one self-sustainable football club that can put out a team that will compete in every match. Um, well, well down that road. And, uh, the second one is always the, the community aspect of the club because it's a very, very, um, substantial force in the community and really a, a bedrock of the community. And, you know, you see things like that with, all the community work that we do with, with football courses and health courses and inclusion courses. And of course, the biggest example being the, the, the Grenfell initiative this summer. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to detract. I'm not going to deviate too much from the question you asked me. Well, I am. But um, <laughs> one, of the thing, one, one of the things that really, really impressed me when I first started in football and being an American, this was, this was new to me, um, was the community aspects, community departments at the time, which have evolved into community trust. And um, football plays a massive part of that. In the, in the States, you might have the NFL will go out and they'll support charities, um, you know, United Way, or they'll make p- players go to appearances and help raise, raise awareness. Um, they'll, 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 they'll send players out to do maybe school events or something like that. But what I noticed here was football actually takes over a lot of the roles that really you would expect government to take over. And I thought, that's a brilliant idea. And as much as I hate to, to, to say and give, give credit too much for local rivals down the road, the club that really caught my eye when I first started was, well, actually, it wasn't the club. It was the Brentford Community Trust and everything they were doing around Brentford with um, health centers and, and, and just really encompassing the whole thing, using the power of football to re- really um, do social causes. 
And I thought that is absolutely brilliant because I studied political science and I always wanted to be a, a you know the president of the United States. But um, that role that football plays, it connects people like nothing else. And that's why it's so important that this club just stays the course. And, and we cannot deviate. We've, we've got to do that. It has to be a self-sustaining model. You know, it has to be that, that community-based club. And, and we'll keep going on that. This, yes, we have another challenge coming up. Um, and when I, when I say a challenge, obviously the challenge to the ruling, but also the challenge of the football club in terms of navigating these things that are going to come our way. But we will, nevertheless, we'll maintain our course on that. How does this, Lee, how does this uh, affect that day-to-day running of the club starting tomorrow? This course that you've started down, legal appeals are obviously going to take a long time. How is the club going to change, you know, day-to-day? What changes will we see because of this ruling? I don't think you'll see changes because we had started down the road to where we needed to get to ages ago. Um, so for, for us, it's about maintaining that course because we, we are heading in the right direction. So we, there's, a, there's a number of sort of follow-up questions to that, one of which, uh, I mean, in the short term, a lot of supporters will ask, although that's what got us into this trouble in the first place, January transfer window, transfer window next summer, is there a transfer embargo? Does it affect our thinking with regards to fees paid and contracts awarded in that circumstance, first of all? Okay, well, I guess I can, I think I can comment anyway on, on the transfer embargo part without um, prejudicing anything, which is a transfer embargo isn't part of the rules. Um, that, that, that would be for a club who didn't get promoted um, and, and didn't go up. So that's, that's sort of outside the rules and uh, you, you know, uh, that, that I don't see from a rule perspective as being relevant right now. Um, but um, in terms of where we go, look, if you look at the players we brought in, um, you, you know, Josh Scallon, who's come on a free transfer, but has been fantastic. You know, we've invested in the younger players, even though we, um, we, 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 we were forced to, to do a, a deal with David Bowler with everything because it was a big club. Um, we still managed the academy managed to produce something to generate a revenue, which we that we were then able to reinvest in people like Bright Samuels, um, David Wheeler, who, who came in and we thought, right, we can reinvest the money. And that's, that's, that's the idea. Reinvest the money, young players, you know, good prospects, get those guys going. And that's the, for me, that's the future of the club. And to be fair, a lot of people, when I first came here and I, I explained that said to me, well, good. That's the way we always, we were always about, you know, bringing players through and, and, and trying to stand on our own two feet. Um, I have to say, though, since I joined and, you know, very, very recently, some of those same people, and you guys aren't shy about writing in, is, um, oh, we need to get a striker. You've got to get a, a, a goal scorer in the January window. But goal scorers cost a hell of a lot of money if they're established goal scorers. Uh, and and that, that is not the business plan for going forward. It's to go out and, and spend a ton of dosh because you're absolutely right. You, that's what, what um, you know, some issues we had before with, with spending too much can't go out and spend tens of millions on a proven goal scorer. So but what they, we can do is try and develop. Tra- we, we, well, sorry, sorry, just let me, let me finish this off really quickly. Um, develop the players, bring in the players that, that can develop into goal scorers mm-hmm. or looking for the bargains that are out there. But I'm looking now at people like um, Easy, who's out on loan. He looks like a really good prospect. Bringing in young Paul Ryan, who looks like a really good prospect. It's about growing your own. And I know when Charlie came here, um, I was actually on the selling end of Burnley when Charlie came here. We had to sell Charlie at Burnley because he had one year left on his contract and Burnley was not a club that could afford to have players set their contract out and get nothing out of them. So it was whatever we could get for him, we sold. And QPR got a great deal on that, by the way. It was, it was uh, but what I would have considered below market value, but you were the only guys in, in town. So we, um, Burnley had to take the deal. 
um, because he, he had um, not had a good medical at all, which, which became public. Um, but you got Charlie, and great, he did a really, really good job. So those are examples where there are still things out there that you might fall into place for us that can, that can then take it forward. But when Charlie started at Burnley, he didn't go straight into the squad. It took him a while to develop because he's coming from Swindon. It took him a couple of years to actually get into the squad and become the goal scorer that he is now. So it does require a bit of patience. Football fans are not renowned for their patience, but I'm still going to be preaching that anyway. <laughs> just, just, just be patient and, and get su- support these, these guys that are coming through, these young lads, because they'll, they'll need help and they'll need support. Training ground, Lee. We've got this development that's been hanging over us and that the club really wants and was, you know, sort of a cornerstone of your pitch. If you've got anything else over the line, it would be the training ground. Is a club with a £60 million fine hanging over its head going to move ahead with a training ground development until they know whether that will come through or not, well, that fine? Well, first of all, I, I don't think the amount of a fine has been published. And since it hasn't been, been published, I, I won't comment. But... Um, uh, well, I'll just leave it at that to, to, to let you know that I, I don't think your figure is right. Um, you know, that would, again... But, it's but still going to be a lot of money, though, Lee. Whether it's 60 million it would, or 40 million or 20 yes, million, it's a lot of money. Of, yeah, yes. But in terms of, of going forward, um, again, still need to keep focused on getting that training ground over the line. That, uh, when, I, when I say, what, when you say what changes tomorrow, my answer is we, keep, we stay the course. Because, again, your business model for going forward is about producing players. You're not going to produce players if you don't have the right facilities to, to, to get them out there. Does this affect the owner's um, stick-around-ability, stick let's call it? Um, because they, they, you weren't at the club, as, as, as you know, to be fair to you, it's, that's fair to point out, you weren't at the club during this period, but the owners were, and they've got a, a, a bloody nose for, for things that have gone on on their, on their watch, notwithstanding the fact that they're being appealed. Does this affect their um, commitment to the club uh, uh, and their investment in the club? And should the fans be concerned by that at all? I don't think the um, the owners. There's any worry about the, the owners heading for the exit door anytime soon. You know they're still very committed to the club. They've got a lot of um, a lot invested in the club, not just capital, but emotionally invested into the club as well. Eileen, just just a quick one. I'm just wondering when you came into the job. You know, often when you start a new job, there's a handing over process. I'm wondering if, like, was there a folder left for you? If this is the mess you're walking into, best of luck. Or did you realise from afar? Did you have a note saying there's no money left? What a mess you were about (laughs) to walk into. Listen, if you're if you're in if you're in football, you know what's going on at other clubs. Um, And and again, it's, it's when people say you know we should be spending more money. You know what's going on at other clubs, too, and there are other clubs who, who are spending quite a bit of money right now. Unfortunately, the bad news is, no matter how much money you spend, there are only three clubs going up. That's it. So you, you could have, you know, if, if 15 clubs are out blowing their brains out trying to, to get promoted, um, there's going to be 12 of them very, very disappointed. But you surprised, so, having so, worked in football so, for so, so long, so, yeah, that nobody at QPR... I, I, knew, I, I had a hand on the situation before I came in here. I, I, I got the idea. Um, to be fair, Tony and Ruben never played hide the ball with me. I, you know, they, they've been very, very upfront. Um, uh, got a hell of a lot of respect for both those guys. Um, they, um, they, they, they are as big as fans as any other fan I've met here. Believe me. Let, Lee, um, let's talk about proportionality, which um, Steve. Steve says on Twitter it points out it's been your watchword throughout on on this case now. It, do you still think that is the case? I know that there is only so much you can say, um, but the, whether this is proportionate, and before we came on, Clive raised the point about kind of corporate cases 
um, where, you know, fines uh, and so on are limited. Um, is that going to be part of the um, uh, appeal to um, try and get this reversed and reduced? You're, you're, you're actually at the core of, of, the, um, of the argument now, so it's definitely something I can't comment on so, because you really are getting into the, 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 the essence of the case. Let me ask you another question then, which is a very simplistic, unnuanced football fan view. How can PSG spend £400 million on two players and be fine and QPR spend a lot less and be whacked with a great big fine? I think that's a damn good question. You're kind of getting into the number of the argument now. So unfortunately, as simplistic a question as it is and as logical a question as it is, um, that is something I really just can't get into. Just the last one from me. If this money was paid, who gets the money and what is done with that money? Well, okay, the way the league rules are set up, that money would then go to um, to charities. Now, Now, which charities... I don't think that's ever been discussed. But, you know, I, I think I'm on safe ground when I talk about um, what the league rule actually says, and that is what the, what the league rule actually says. I don't think that has any bearing uh, or would prejudice the, um, the case against us. QPR and the Community Trust would uh, would take that. I mean, fi- a final one, uh, <laughs> yeah. fi- a final one <laughs> from, from me. Um, I mean, again, hypothetical, and you probably can't answer it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If... We do pay that fine in one year, two year, whatever it is, and the fine is X. Would that fine then come off the club's balance sheet for that season? Therefore, meaning that we would then breach FFP again because we've had <laughs> yes. to pay a massive fine. Well, just on mechanics of FFP, there's, there's your, your balance sheet and your profit and loss. And then there's what your FFP result is. So those are actually two different things. Um, in regards to, to, you know, which are permissible allowances are of, of how much you can take off to come up with an FFP result. So just because your balance sheet is out of whack doesn't mean your FFP is necessarily out of whack. Um, because, you know, as, look, look, in terms of FFP, per se, um, there's an argument against it. You can understand the reasons behind it. It was just these particular principles of, of FFP that, that we, we had challenged. Uh, um, but, um, you know, we, we've obviously got um, a new new regulations in effect that are coming in now that um, cover a three-year um, a rolling uh, reporting period. And for me, the, you know, the, the challenge is making sure we're, we're, we're trying to, to, to move forward um, and um, that actually, you know, as part of a sustainable business case, those FFP models probably fit far better with what we're trying to do. Than, than than anything else. So so um, so is that, is know, it, so is that a no? Two, two seasons from now, we lose our our, our, um, our parachute payments if we're not promoted. So for, for me, you know, Ollie, he looks he looks at Saturday's game. Me, I'm looking two and five years down the road. Lee, what's stopping us spending a hundred million quid on players now so that we we push towards getting promoted and then get the necessary income to pay the fine? Apart from the fact that it didn't work before. <laughs> Well, I think you've just answered the question. It's because, it's because there's no guarantee. Money does increase your 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 um, potential, but like I said, if everybody's out spending money, there's still going to be disappointed people at the end of the day. Um, because you know, you, you look at I'm not going to name clubs because it's just not my style. But there are plenty of examples of clubs out there right now that are that are paying um, significant um, fees and paying significant salaries. Um, that is not a you know self sustainable plan. At least for for um, in, in the near term, um, and again, there, there is a model that would suggest okay, you could go for it all in one shot and see what happens, um, and then if you got promoted, then it, then it pays off in the long term. But in the short term, you take a hit. 
Um, but, you know, as you just said, that one didn't work first time around. Um, so um, I would suggest, well, let's 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 try a little, let's try something different. Let's try a little bit of patience and get back to what everybody said was our roots anyway, which is bringing those young players through. Lee, um, it would be remiss of us not to ask you about the manager uh, because this is what people will um, be be wanting us to ask you. So, fifth um, of November two thousand and sixteen, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was sacked. Fourth of November two thousand and fifteen, um, Chris Ramsey was sacked. We have Notts Forest on the fourth of November away. Will fans be waking up on the seventh of November this year with Ian Holloway as manager? You haven't told Ali that fact, have you? No. You have him scared to death. No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm being facetious on it. Um, listen, there was a story that came out week before last or something like that. We have no idea why the hell that story came out. It's um, about Ali's job is under pressure. In no way, shape, or form have we ever said Ali's job is under pressure here. Um, it's, 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 it's not the remotest possibility of, of, of that happening. I, I don't know where that story came up with. I hate to use this expression because I despise the man who it's associated with, but it really is fake news. And then yeah. the killer on that, though, is um, then Sky pick it up and, 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 and say, you know, because somebody tweeted Tony Fernandez about it, and Tony tweets back saying, no, no, we've never discussed about, you know, the manager's future being in jeopardy. Then suddenly it becomes a dreaded vote of confidence on Sky, and you think, bloody hell, all of this from a nothing story who's just made up. Okay, Lee, um, thank you very much um, for joining us. Uh, uh, I know, I, can, I gather you're probably quite busy today. Uh, um, uh, a little bit, broken. yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Um, and look, uh, uh, we appreciate you coming on. There's only so much you can say. As a result, um, you know, fan, fans, fans are, are frustrated and will probably continue to be a bit, but at least you've kind of fronted up to it. So we appreciate that. Um, thank you very much, Lee. No, no, I can appreciate that. And as I said, uh, you know, at the beginning, I can appreciate the frustration. There's nothing's more frustrating than, than not knowing. Um, but as I've always said, I will absolutely do the best for, for the club um, as opposed to trying to make my life easier. And um, I'll be as transparent as I can. But unfortunately, being transparent as I can doesn't mean I can sit and, and, and talk about everything. Okay. J- Lee, thank you very much. And, um, okay, no worries. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Thanks. speak soon. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Next fans forum is going to be fun, isn't it? What do you guys think? That's why I got out of journalism after that interview, to be honest. <laughs> can't say anything, can they? Well, he can't say exactly. anything, but is it better to... It's better to speak to him, of course. Have but, him you know, he's got, he's... Say, say the little he can say, or... or... I think or I think he and you and we will probably get some stick for that. Um But, um you know, what can he say? Like, he can't prejudice a legal... A legal process. Yeah. Um, he wants to win the appeal. Um, and, th- and that's it, really. So he's not going to come on a podcast and, and say stuff that will affect that. No. So, so But what... he is, you know, he's well PR'd and American. Uh, and I think, I think we're all, all in agreement that he's a, um, he's a... It wouldn't have happened if he'd have been at the club, would it? Well, first of all, it wouldn't have happened if it had been at the club. Second of all, I can't see any of our previous... I can't see Phil Beard having done that interview. Um, when he was here and if he was uh, CEO right now. It's a real tragedy that the people that are running... And it, this is what... It really gets me when I see criticism of the people that are effectively running the club now, and I don't include Tony 
Fernandez in that. The people that are running the club now, Ferdinand, mm. who's Holloway, when you see criticism of them, it is all done entirely without the context of the situation they've inherited. Mm-hmm. I mean, to say we're in a tight spot is just a gross understatement. And people thinking that changing the manager is going to work, even though it's never worked before. People thinking that, change, you know, signing a striker when strikers are costing seven, eight million pounds a time. I just, I find it mind-blowing. I, th- I feel like I'm the only one that remembers, like, two or three years ago. When you look at the response of the QPR fans on Twitter, I just, I find it mind-blowing. It, like, the first response to the announcement from the club today was, uh, are we going to sign a decent centre-back? The first, like, probably only as a joke, but, you know, my God. Well, well look, what I got from that was, what, what, what he could say was limited. What I got from reading between the lines was they feel like it's way disproportionate, um, uh, that the punishment does not fit the crime, um, that they can't, they feel like they have been made a special case of uh, when he, he kind of said, um, that's a very good question about PSG or whatever it was and something that I'd like the answer to. Um, and that he's not going to be blown off course in what he's trying to do with the club. And, and he he tried to emphasise very quickly and very early on the good community efforts what did of he the club, that? which we all recognise. Whether that was a, appropriate to do it at that point in the interview, I'm not so sure. That's part of a strategy with the league. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't want... He needs to really hammer home. He's, got, he's in an, a sort of invidious position over the next few years. Of he has to make out to the supporters like it's all going to be fine, and he has to make out to the league like it's doomsday. So he's going to hammer the league now. With there's a great community club here trying to do really good things, trying to get his house in order, and you're hammering it. So that's what he's going to do to the league. While he's got to come back to the likes of us and say, "Do you know what? It's all going to be fine." He's good though. He's a steady kind of guy. You're kind of glad he's now going to be dealing with this. We could have another clown in, couldn't we? What 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 what's going to happen? Uh, it's going to drag on for another couple of years. They will find, somebody legally will find that it is a disproportionate fine. QPR will have to pay a fine at some point. And Tony Fernandez and the Tune Group should be paying that out of their own pocket. And it shouldn't go on the club's balance sheet, and that should be the end of it. Because, you know... But if you, like, if you get the right legal teams to say, like, say there was a financial irregularity in, in like, a tax sort of case, and, like, you went and you asked Harry, because Harry was the manager, and you asked, who did you get to sort your stuff out? Chances are you can well, not, not pay anything. I mean, yeah, we need that defence team because he got off tax evasion on the defensive I can't read and write, and now he sends tweets about cryptocurrency. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, we can talk about Harry, and I, I could sit here and give you 20 minutes on what he did that season when he basically left the pre-season to Steve McLaren, rolled in on crutches in August, oversaw one of the most boring QPR teams, basically very slowly and dully trying to crack a sledgehammer, trying to crack a nut with a massive £100 million sledgehammer and only really got interested in the playoffs at the end of the season. And that has shafted us for the next 20 years, that season. And Redknapp oversaw it. So the next person that says at least Redknapp won a promotion when we're criticising whoever the manager is at the time can get in the fucking sea as far as I'm concerned. Does it take, does it take the shine off the promotion for you? No, I always said that that day at Wembley was the best day of my life, but it, t- it always took the shine off it, who the manager was, who the team was, how much it was costing and what it would do to us eventually. But, but, but we also got it without playing, without operating on a fair playing field. 
Well, it, like I say, it always yeah, <laughs> didn't we? It always we took the shine it. off. We it. didn't deserve it. But the point I was going to get to eventually, because it always takes me ages. <laughs> but for Harry Redknapp, Mark Hughes, Phil Beard, Keir Jarabkin, Willie Mackay, they've all had a hand in this. Yeah. But the ultimate philosophy, the strategy was Tony Fernandez. Mm-hmm. He wanted the big names, the transfer deadline day trolley dash, the Air Asia cap on Sky Sports News. He wanted Ji Sung Park. He wanted Julio Cesar. So, yeah, you know, these managers were terrible people, terrible managers, did terrible things and have shafted us for ages, but the buck and the fine needs to stop with him. He might have to pay up. Again. Okay. <sighs> I feel like you need to give us a report on Bolton. I was cold, it was wet. <laughs> uh, we were terrible in the first half and much better in the second than we drew 1-1. It's basically the same match report for every one of us. <laughs> what do you want? The defence can't keep clean sheets. The strike force can't score more than one goals. Like You want to like, pay your mortgage off early? Just back 1-1. Is, 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 is there any sign of change though? Like After this news today, Like is it possible in the world of mad QPR that we beat Wolves, and then we go away, and we what? win at the city grounds. See, I don't know how much, like how much we've all seen of them this year. I think the team, you know, for the budget it's being put together on and whatever, and the obvious limitations in that we can't buy a striker. I quite like watching this team this season. It yeah. tries, it attacks with good numbers. You know, it's not very good, is it? It's a poor team. Well, not with what's coming on Saturday. I mean, they've spent some money. Well, they, well, isn't it ironic? What ironic timing. Basically, Wolves are doing what we did. They're ignoring financial fair play and they're gambling on getting to the Premier League. As Sheffield Wednesday have done. Now, that is the next one that's coming down the pipe because it's now the, without going into boring details, FFP has judged over three years now. Chef Wednesday have chucked money at it, given themselves three years to get promoted. This is year three, and they don't look like they're going to do it. So next year, this time next year, when Chef Wednesday put their accounts out, it's going to be them. Well, we're the example. <laughs> we're the example, aren't they? We have to be made Except an example. we're under the old rules, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else anyone wants to say on FFP and... and FFP I mean, just, before we before it, we get to Ros end it would be very QPR to play the bottom two in the league and not win and then play the top two in the league and take four points could galvanise the club possibly yeah. but I, I feel the fan base is like I, I just feel like there's been so much drama at QPR it's still obviously not ending at the moment but there's been so much between promotions and relegations that maybe at the moment we're kind of treading water and people are a bit like hang on we don't tread water we don't build. but maybe we need to now particularly with change a that mentality when you've had an owner who's saying promotion is everything what, not that long ago to now, no, no, this is... For, for a fan base, if you're new to QPR in the last maybe five, ten years, this is odd. This is not what you've been used to. This is like, no, no, we're chasing something. And now it's like, no, no, we're completely turning this around. We're going a completely different way. People, I mean, loyal fans will go, fan, this is good, we're building. But if you, like, are expecting a promotion push, and I think the start of the season, like three games in, people went, hang on. Maybe. And now it's got to like, we're knocking into November and people are like, it's our season, kind of this. Is this it? It's, I think it's our decade. Not our season. I think this is our decade, particularly to build. after today. No, to just standing, 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 standing still, still while halving your wage bill and then halving it again is progress. But as you say, getting that through to a support base yeah. that has become used to yo-yoing up and down and buying loads of footballers 
is proving very, uh, yeah, like very difficult. Still, every window, there's still a sense of we could go mental here. I, I'm going to ask we? you... I'm gonna like, ask there you, is. I'm going to ask you both a question that you probably don't know the answer to, but I'm floating oh, a, it's like a the question Lee Hughes on interview. hypothesis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> He, there, he was limited in what he could say. He I was, respect yeah. him for coming on. Absolutely, I will say that. Yeah. I respect him for he coming on. He did say Holloway's going nowhere. So. And, I'll uh, give that two weeks. So that means to lose be it, like, Literally, weeks. I mean, on that point, lose to Wolves, lose to Sheffield United, and lose at Nottingham Forest. He's gone. Yeah, he's, he's gone. gone. That's he's gone. the way QPR is, isn't it? If, what stop, if Tony Fernandez says, hmm, let me see, pay a £58 million fine, Reported, although I, I understand, as they say, uh, that it's near a forty. But pay a full, pay a forty million pound fine, yeah. or actually, I could just go and, well, and sell the club and not have to pay. It. Didn't who Ruben, pays it? Who's liable for it? Didn't, we, we're didn't we're Ruben last week rule out Old Oak Common? Didn't he? Did he say like we're not getting Old Oak Common? I believe so. Right. So, like, I believe a huge part of Fernandez being at QPR was obviously where we're based. Yeah, it was the property and play that, with old oak company, which knew isn't going to happen. When I was working and reporting on this stuff, I knew they weren't getting that card so, site. That was never happening. No. Like, it was ridiculous. Well, we all knew that. Exactly. And we so all now, told the club that. He's got to be weighing it up. Is he going to get the scrubs and that? He's got to be looking at it and saying, this has been one hang hell on. of a bullseye. He's saying, surely he's saying, I can hang around, pay a 40 million quid fine and not have a few thousand people in West London hate me, or I could just go and not pay it. The, the Caterham example, I mean, Ooh. Formula One case, Formula One teams are very different football teams. There isn't, you know, the community involvement and all the supporters, but when it just became a black hole that he was tipping money into, he withdrew from it. And we all did like Dry World and they disappeared, didn't they? <laughs> we won the Dry World Cup. We get to keep that now. Now they've gone bust. <laughs> but this this could be serious. No, we are we, now at I mean, Tony Fernandez's mercy and his well, will and whether he wants to stay involved. Because he could just say, I've had enough of this. I'm not paying that he fine. He might. He might. I don't... Honestly, I, do, I don't see that. They've written off so much... I don't know. I think he'd love to turn it round. Would he put Wouldn't it in... He? He'd have to put it into administration because you never find a buyer... Like, as no. who's has made out, as a, who's has, not tonight, but has specified previously, the club is a financial black hole. It costs, it costs £9 million to run before a salary is paid, and the season tickets fetch £5.6 million. So before you've even paid a salary, it's a financial black hole. Who is going to buy that with a £50 million fine hanging always, over it? Because you've always got that carrot of getting to the Premier League. You get to the Premier League, you man- and then you manage to stay up, and all your dreams are answered. All your prayers are there answered. There are better clubs that you could buy. I mean, you, you could buy a championship club in the north for a pittance and get it in the Premier League just by chucking fifty million quid at it. Much easier than you could take in on the shitstorm that we are. Okay, right. We we have to get to the end of the podcast, not least because Arsenal are at home tonight, oh, and we're yeah, recording a mile from Arsenal. And if we don't hurry up, we'll be caught in the post match traffic games in October. So I've got the a few things. I'll start. I've got a few <laughs> things to say. I didn't know they existed. First of all, Rob, yes, you are looking more and more like Ian Taylor Am with I? every passing day. Yeah, do you not see Ian Taylor here uh, with the I'll whole kind of whole beard hair thing? Yeah, definitely, head, definitely. He's Which a shaved head. Potentially. Yeah, but not the shaved head. You just are the bottom becoming off. more and more official club channel with every every passing. <laughs> oh, podcast. don't start that! Everybody that says uh, who is this an official chub, club channel, uh, I have some expletives for you. I do think um, of Ian. Though, the amount of time he's been handed paper to put out on that official website about mess ups at the football club, he must just be like another one. Do you not look at when you see Ian and Paul? I mean, 
they're dead inside. Aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> ten years of ten years of this free and Taylor and Palmer. They, this you know, is nothing though. They they've seen things. Owners they and have. guns held to their head. There's great. Books. The book written by Dave McIntyre is going to be amazing. Yes, yes. It's just going to be amazing. Right. What do I have to say? I never credited the chap who bought us the beers, which was Roger Newman. Thank you, Roger. Oh, Roger. We've made um, good use of them. We've made good use of them. I'm going to read you an email that's been sent to us by Warren Ringham. Um, so, and this will hopefully put a smile on, on everyone's face. Hi, guys. First, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Um, I've been listening for several years and have listened to everyone since the start. I'm not even sure I've done that. So, thank you, Warren. Um, I've tried try my best. Um, uh, with my job, I've been posted away from London for several years and work and family commitments have meant I've gone from being a regular season ticket holder to not being able to go very often. So your podcast helps. Thank you. Lucky the reason I'm getting in touch is I am actually a trumpeter in the RAF and I'm going to be doing the last <laughs> post this year at the Game versus Wolves this Saturday. Oh. Uh, I would. I will be wearing my QPR shirt under my uniform. Oh, I thought if you put it on top. look for the trumpeter with a a blue and white uh, vest through the top Uh, I thought it might be something of interest for you guys it's a fan's dream to do a home date in front of 14,000 QPR fans Um, don't know if it'd be of interest but I thought I'd fire it over well thank you for getting in touch Warren it's It's been a bit of a a depressing podcast so thank you Um, thanks for your kind words and good luck on Saturday and everybody can know that in that in the last post what happens with the last post? What, there's one trumpeter or there's a few? The teams line up around the centre circle and the one trumpeter goes and does it. Well, the one trumpeter it. is a Rangers fan. It's Warren. Yeah, we'll be 3-0 up by then. Right, somebody else. And what haven't you, we talked about that you wish to talk about? It's a mild autumn, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, uh, Paul, Finney, Paul Finney's view on financial fair play, I've missed that tonight. You just follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter. Anyone got anything else that they just wish want to, to say? Go on, Rob. Shout out to a mate of mine who, who managed to raise thirty thousand pound for the victims of uh, Grenfell, which I thought was bloody phenomenal. And I like, I know that money's actually gone to the victims of Grenfell because he gave it to them himself. Which Fantastic. I thought, yeah, through a white collar boxing show. Rangers so, fan. Presumably. Rangers fan. We gave a shout out to this. He the did, other week. but you forgot to mention what he was doing. He just said his name, which I thought that's bizarre. But anyway, yeah, he actually put on a boxing show, and um, so you mentioned his name. You mentioned his name, Barry O'Connell from State of Mind Fitness. Yeah, Rangers fan from Labrick Grove decided I'll go do something because one of his mates from school was in the fire, and he said I'm going to go raise some money. But thirty grand. It's a lot of dough. Good going. Well done, Barry. Well done, Barry. Clive. No, mate, I think I've said enough. Well, tell us how you think we'll get on on Saturday. Like I say, we'd be very QPR to take four points from the next two games, but I really don't... Wolves aren't very good defensively. Like I was against Preston at the weekend, they were they were great going forward and catastrophic at the back. So maybe, I don't know. There'll be goals anyway, guaranteed goals. Yeah, both I'm not asking you on the right day, am I? Not really, mate, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening this has been the QPR podcast next week we are at home Tuesday night so we are doing the podcast Monday night Um, this has been Open All Ours thank you for listening QPR QPR